welcome everybody to All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast 108, recording this on Wednesday the 27th of August 2014. I'm Steve Litchfield. With me, I have Rafe Lanford. Hello everybody. Yes, uh, time for another podcast. Actually, there's quite a bit of news to get through this week and Steve's been very busy with content on the on the site as well. We had the new HTC device being announced last week and we talked about how that was a, a Verizon exclusive. It's actually also going to be on AT&T in America, although there's no specification on exact timings. Um, on Verizon, it's now down to $49 if you're going through one of the deals and two-year subscription. Kind of have to wait and see on global availability but the uh, AT&T thing seems pretty promising as Rafe manages to completely mess up Steve's uh, recording notes and change the agenda completely. <laughs> I wanted to start actually with a brand new Windows phone Rafe, um, okay. the Arcos 40 Cesium which uh, you think is a particularly bad name, I, I, apart from the number and the name being in the wrong order, I quite like Cesium, it kind of sounds sci-fi-ish and <laughs> physicist and elemental um, it's basically a low-end device kind of a competitor to the lumia 530 i think it's got a snapdragon 200 quad-core processor and it's only 79 pounds they reckon um, available in the shops and a four-inch screen large bezels a capacitive control so it's, it's kind of low-end but again good to see yet another manufacturer in the, in the show rafe yeah absolutely steve you can't really complain about seeing uh, another device arcos you know a well-known French brand, although as with the others, it's kind of manufactured in China and it's part of that reference design program. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, good to see another device and you know, some interesting color choices. Actually, it, the, the pictures remind me of the Lumia 710. I haven't seen one in person. Hopefully we'll get to see one before too long. But you're right, you know, yes, it's a low device, but at 70 quid, it's going to be a bit more choice in the market. Um, Obviously, it's going to get compared against the 530. There's a, a few things in its favour when you look at the kind of the specifications, you know, like the LED flash that Steve mentioned. We don't have the full details on this. Uh, I, I guess when I think of cesium, I think of dropping things into water and it going bang, but pretty sure that yeah. won't happen with this phone and the 40 on it is stylized. Uh, but it's interesting. We've seen a lot of these phones come out. I think there's probably up to 10 have now come onto the market. Um, and quite in quite a lot of cases, there's actually multiple models. Uh, each week, we're seeing a, a few more of them. We'll probably stabilise. No, no, none of these are really going to be available globally. They'll be available in certain markets. And it's too early to say what kind of sales they're going to have. But it's going to be something that's really interesting to watch in the second half of the year. You know, does this have an impact on the, the shipment numbers uh, for Windows Phone? Where do we see them starting to come onto the market? You know, I've seen a couple of these in the wild, admittedly, amongst uh, mobile phone geeks who've actually ordered them directly online as a kind of matter of curiosity I haven't seen anything really in the wild in the phone shops here in the uk but i would suggest that actually they're going to be bigger in places like india potentially china but also russia and some of the eastern european markets which are particularly price sensitive and don't sometimes get the good deals that we do on the lumia devices so we think about the 530 in the uk it's actually going to go on sale I mean, originally it was about 60 quid. And now um, a couple of the retailers are talking about offering it for 50 pounds if you're upgrading from an existing pay-as-you-go handset, which, of course, a lot of people looking to buy a handset like that might well be. And you know that really is excellent value for money. And you sort of go maybe recommend that over a 70 pound or 80 pound kind of less well-known brand smartphone. Uh, but as I say, the UK is slightly unusual in that respect in that it does get excellent value on kind of the mainstream devices. And on the pairs you go, we start to get a bit of a subsidy. In reality, the, the 530 is probably nearer the 80 to 100 pound price point if you're paying full price. And that's you know what it would be. And let's say some of the Eastern European countries. And so these 
other handsets that are undercutting it by 20, maybe 30 pounds will do better in those markets. But yeah, yeah, and great to see Arcos get in. I guess um, I have a soft spot for them because they've been around, it feels like a very long time. And remember quite fondly, their kind of media playback devices that were almost forerunners of tablets as a consumption devices, Steve. Yeah, well, they haven't been around as long as me, but yes, I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we won't comment on Steve's age and longevity, but let's just <laughs> say that um, there's, you know, when the sign devices were at their heyday, uh, Steve was still quite old. Oh, come on. I was well, still in my 20s. <laughs> 20s. All right. Well, nearly 30. <laughs> anyway. And we're not anyway. going to comment on current age. No, no. Um, <laughs> now, moving on swiftly, um, Spotify, um, I can't, I call, kind of call this shuffle mode. It, they've got a free mode now, uh, as you've had on Android and iOS since late last year. Essentially, um, you can now use Spotify streaming music. You just p- pick your genre, pick your playlist within the genre, a bit like Nokia Mix Radio, and it just plays away. You get six skips per hour. You don't get to choose what's coming up next. You can create a playlist by searching for an artist. That's roughly as far as it goes. Plus, every three or four tracks, you do get spotify sort of in-house ads urging you to upgrade to spotify premium so you kind of have to put up with that as well but i guess another competitor to mix radio rafe and with mix radio itself with a potentially uncertain future then i guess more free competition is is again better it it is and there's a whole bunch of these services in the kind of the free price point or indeed when you sort of upgrade it up to the you know three or four pounds a month they're kind of unlimited streaming ones without adverts spotify really in that space at the moment they're looking at you to go up to kind of the full a la carte 10 pounds option you know where it competes with the kind of the xbox music services and Deezer and a couple of others but i think choices are always good and spotify is actually a really popular service and it's the only criticism is it's taken this long for this new shuffle functionality to arrive on windows phone you know not surprising it's kind of part of this app gap thing that we talked about it's not just about the presence of the app it's sometimes the features and the quality of the app itself you know much as we've had with kind of the four square swarm app coming out later and frankly not being quite as uh, good on the quality control front as the iphone and the android versions uh, but spotify i think is a particularly important one because it's one of the most popular music streaming services and a lot of people will buy a Spotify subscription because they use it on their PC or even on their TV and elsewhere. And having it work on mobile is a good thing. But that's only ever going to be a select part of the audience. They're going to be people who are looking for something for free that download it, that kind of recognize that as a name associated with music streaming and are disappointed when they try and use the Windows phone version. Um, I mean, I've tried out both. My personal pick would still be uh, mixed radio. One of the reasons for that is that Spotify doesn't actually let you play the MP3s that are stored on your device. Something that, of course, mixed radio does. Um, that's actually something that's missing in the Windows Phone version compared to Android and iOS. So kind of harking back to that feature parity thing, but nonetheless, a, a very welcome arrival on the Windows Phone platform in terms of an app update. Yeah, talking of arrivals on Windows Windows Phone platform, there's an amazing new app released, Rafe. It's called uh, Swingcopters. No, no. <laughs> Now, you've been playing too many games again, haven't you, Steve? <laughs> I did put up an item showing with it. There's been numerous clones of the um, Gear Studios follow-up to Flappy Bird, and I just I put a kind of a novelty news item up, just highlighting perhaps the best of them. As as 
for Flappy Bird. It's incredibly fr- frustrating, and you you lose, you die after about five seconds. But hey, no, no I, that was kind of a jokey intro, Rafe, into Book Visor Reader, which is not a totally new app, but it's been a major, major update since the early days. Uh, I think Ewan might have looked at it for about five minutes about three years ago. We now have a complete 2014 rewrite. Um, essentially, it's a customizable ebook reader for free ebooks. So we're not talking about you know modern commercial ebooks at commercial prices. We're talking access to a pretty large library, tens of thousands of books from the likes of Feedbooks and Project Gutenberg, um, both of which are actually integrated into the application. Uh, and it's all pretty slick. It's, it's very, very smooth. The, anima- the page-turning animation is terrific. There's terrifically customizable. There's an awful lot to like. The only real thing I found I didn't like is that by default, it kind of hides the Gutenberg and Feedbooks integration behind a little more thing at the bottom of one of the pages. And you have to, you have to, you have to know that it's got that feature in order to know to tap more in order to find it. So I thought that was a bit disingenuous. But uh, overall, once I'd found that, I was ha- happy as Larry and just downloading books and uh, very, very, very slick, uh, beautiful appearance, beautiful, uh, a beautiful app to use, Rafe. It, it is. And as you say, that functionality is a bit hidden away. It is worth pursuing because I think ebooks on smartphones, it's something that I use a lot, but quite a lot of the time it's, I finish one book and, you know, the hassle of having to get another book onto the device by doing it via PC meant I, I never had particularly fresh content on there. And, you know, while it was possible to go through the browser or certainly is with uh, Windows 8.1 with the improved download and file management, it wasn't that easy to do. And so integration in the same way that, the, you know, the Kindle devices are popular in part because you have accesses to Amazon's catalogue, you know, very, very easily. Um, obviously, I'm not making the same claim about something like BookVisor in terms of ease of use, but if you read a lot of public domain ebooks, you know, you're really going to love this application. It, it's worth pointing out that you can actually buy commercially available books as well in DRM-free formats uh, from some sites and then, yeah. you know, put this onto your device and use something like this. So actually, you know, it's great to have a, a Windows phone app that you know, is a really very good FB2 EPUB and text format reader that's optimized for reading books you know, with a bookmark and going back to where you were and things like that. And you know, it's got the integration into OneDrive. And so I actually have a whole bunch of public domain books stored on my OneDrive and can therefore get it into this uh, app very easy. There are a couple of other uh, ebook reading apps out there. Frida is one of the ones I've used in the past, for example. But yeah, a nice update and great to see the kind of integration with the uh, public OPDS catalogue, which is actually how they've done the Gutenberg uh, smash books and some of the that other integration. So yeah, definitely a, a thumbs up from me. And given that this is you know, a, an app category that's close to my heart, I'm very glad that you brought it up on the podcast and recommended download, you know, really good app here. Yeah. And the, um, the Project Gutenberg site or mobile site um, actually ties into both Google Drive and OneDrive from within the site. So when you get come to an entry for a book, you can either download as a zip file, as an EPUB file, with or without images. You get that choice. Plus, you can, it will save directly from the website via sort of web authentication directly to, from this case, OneDrive. So as, as like you, I want to keep an archive of the, the best OneDrive, OneDrive books, free books, so I can grab them and book by the reader on whichever Windows phone or whichever Windows tablet or client I happen to be using. And it's like a, a cloud backup for these. And the fact that you can do that directly from Project Gutenberg rather than having to grab it to your phone and then if you want to, then upload it again later, I think is a really slick feature. Yeah, one, one of the things that I'll give as a tip for people who are reading 
ebooks on Windows Phone. You've got Windows Phone 8.1, one of the options that you can add to kind of the uh, quick settings control, which you access by pulling down from the top of the screen, is orientation lock. Most of the time I have that switched off because I'm quite happy for apps to change the orientation as I like. But when I'm reading ebooks, you know, you're quite often reading at an angle or you're in bed or something like that. You actually don't want the orientation to change and you might be holding the device at 45 degrees. And I always used to get annoyed that things would switch around. But now I can switch on and off the orientation lock very easily thanks to those uh, quick setting controls in Windows Phone 8.1. And I'd also note that uh, in Bookvisor you have the option to change font size. There is also the orientation lock um, setting in there as well there's sort of a day mode and a night mode uh, that level of control over the text size is something that's really great because if you're feeling you know a bit tired or in dim light you know you can change those make it easy to read and you know i personally i do miss the, the paper turning over a page uh, but the ability to sort of change the font size and make it easy to read plus of course carry hundreds or even thousands of books with you at a time is an advantage that really can't be underestimated I personally do most of it still on the Kindle, but there's times I don't carry my Kindle device with me and be able to go into a phone, you know, when I'm public transport or something like that. It's a really nice extra. So I've already downloaded this app and I'm going to be getting a whole bunch of my uh, public domain ebooks into it. And what you really need, Rafe, is an anti-gravity setting as well. So what I do is I, I kind of read in bed and you're lying there getting more and more more horizontal and the phone's more and more on top of you and of course your grip slips when you get tired and the phone smashes into your face and gives you a black eye maybe other listeners can identify with this so we need an anti-gravity setting as well or, or maybe you should just uh, you know go to sleep when you get tired steve <laughs> moving on um and this is something i wanted your clarification on Rafe, because you are mr dlna you're mr home gadgetry um, i'm new to this um i only got a chromecast last week but having got a chromecast i noticed uh, that tubecast pro is an, a brand new uh, or fairly new application in the windows phone store essentially letting you do all the things you do on an android phone ca casting to a chromecast so for example it's a youtube client at heart, you browse through your favorites, history, whatever. Um, you find the video you want to cast, you, you set it playing, then tap the little cast icon, and bang, it's on your Chromecast. I found it, it generally worked very, very well indeed, exactly as my Android phone did, but I did find quite a few bugs. And I, I find it very easy, Rafe, for the, the, the TubeCast Pro client to get out of step with what the Chromecast was doing. The Chromecast is in itself a little miniature computer now on a dongle that sits in the back of an HDMI port in the back of your TV. So there are two computers kind of synchronizing where they've got to. And after about uh, 10 videos or so, the, the video was actually play on the TV was playing with a different one that was trying try to play on, on the phone and the volumes weren't working and the seeks weren't working. So there are cl it's clearly work to do. But I did notice, Ray, that the TubeCast Pro developer is going at it hammer and tongs with, uh, you know, one or two updates per month. So it looks like within a couple of months, we should have a really reliable Chromecast client. And I guess just the final question to you would be, uh, how does this tie into other options in terms of uh, DLNA and, and Miracast, both, which are both very sort of foreign foreign areas for me? Well, I mean, DLNA is really about playing content that you've got stored on your device onto a, a TV or a DLNA-capable uh, device. So it can sometimes just be a set of speakers. It's generally more used for things like music rather than video. Um, right. Some of the, the video, it can get a bit complicated finding something that's compatible with the various video codecs and things like that. So I haven't ever found it that reliable for video, but I have used it a lot for music over the years. And as I say, it's TVs, but also various sort of streaming music devices often have that uh, capability. But um, there's a lot to be said for having the Chromecast capability because the cost of the dongle here in the UK has just gone down to 18 quid, which is a, a bargain. And particularly if you're in a you know, multi-device household where you've got Android devices, um, 
and you know iphone devices and also of course chromecast will work from chrome on the desktop as well uh this windows phone version or this app isn't quite as comprehensive in terms of functionality but it's a really nice extra and as you say pretty amazing that a third-party developer has got this far and has done a really good job from what i can see of uh, kind of getting there and as you say it's not perfect it's a bit glitchy but i hope we'll see some more updates but given that this is you know, completely unsupported by google they you know the usual stance on windows phone apps they haven't done anything to support chromecast on windows phone the fact this has effectively been reverse engineered and got working is a really nice thing however if you have access to miracast you'll sort of be going yeah it's old news don't care because miracast provides a, a, a better option in that it will enable you to mirror your entire screen, whatever you happen to be doing on your device. And if you've got a Miracast compatible monitor or TV, it's very easy to set up. It's very easy to, to activate um, with you know the way it's done in Windows Phone 8.1. But it's only supported by a limited set of devices. It's basically the ones with the newer chipsets. And so a lot of the legacy Windows Phone 8 devices don't support Miracast. And of course, not everyone will have a, a, a Miracast TV. And so I think that second one, in particular is a limitation i do use miracast on my tv and it's fantastic just being able to mirror content and be it for music or be it for video playback i use it for example with uh, xbox video in order to kind of play back some videos that got stored on my device on, on the big screen of the tv and that's a really nice extra and the fact it all worked wirelessly is great and you know in effect it's no real difference to chromecast and airplay in terms of the experience it delivers uh, i suppose miracast maybe has the advantage in that you know there are it is just mirroring the screen simply it's not sort of doing a, a separate mode as you tend to get with uh, airplay a little bit with chromecast but uh, it's worth saying chromecast has had updates on android recently that does let you kind of mirror the display but it, it is a really nice extra but uh that um, you know, glitch of needing a Miracast compatible TV is something that might go away because we've been hearing a few rumours about accessories yeah. on the way, haven't we, Steve? Yeah, well, just before we come to that, just one clarification, well, two clarifications. One is that you, you went over the price of the Chromecast incredibly fast, and 18 sounded a bit like 80, so it's one eight pounds, yes, so that really is very, very cheap. Secondly, as I understand it from what you just said, that Miracast does work in a slightly different way, and that in Miracast, your, say your, your smartphone's on Wi-Fi and your, your TV's also on, on, on the local Wi-Fi network, but essentially your phone is streaming the video from the internet to your, say, your YouTube client. And you're then using the same Wi-Fi network to then stream the same video out from your phone to the Miracast, where in the Chromecast case, all you're doing is tell it to the Chromecast computer. So in a sense, you could argue that the, the Miracast way is a tiny bit more bandwidth intensive. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, that, that's probably a fair argument. I mean, I'll be less concerned about bandwidth because, you know, Wi-Fi should have the capability to handle that. But obviously, uh, doing downloading and, you know, the resources necessary to deal with video and everything like that on a mobile device is going to have an impact on battery life. One of the nice things yeah. about the Chromecast is it kind of uh, does the decoding and the, the hard work goes on on the actual Chromecast device itself. Uh, that won't be true if you're using Chromecast in the kind of its screen mirroring mode. But yeah, you're, you're right to bring that up. That is an important difference. Um, it is yeah. just a, a replication of your screen, and therefore you may need to put the video into full screen mode, something that the kind of the Chromecast does automatically. Uh, I, I suppose it depends on your preference, which one you prefer. I, I suspect Miracast is kind of the more obvious one, but actually there's a lot to be said for the Chromecast approach, particularly when it's also then... Um, it does it on a lot of different devices. Although that said, you know, Miracast functionality is built into to Windows 8 on the desktop and the tablets as well. And so, if you, 
which one do you prefer? It probably depends which ecosystem you're in and actually uh, which yeah. you know, system you, you've got compatibility with. Uh, I kind of mentioned uh, a new accessory. This is only a rumor. Um, Microsoft are due to do a, a press conference at IFA, and I wonder whether we might see them announce you know some equivalent to the Chromecast, but actually it'd be a, a Miracast dongle. But again, you'd plug into your HDMI TV uh, into a port and it would sort of you know, add that functionality to your TV. Uh, it's something I'd certainly like to see and it's going to make Miracast maybe more widely available, but they're going to have to work very hard to ma- match that £18 price point of the, the Chromecast. Yeah, and uh, talking of IFA, I guess we should mention because they've been widely, I can't, whether you leaked, pre-announced, <laughs> whatever you want to pass through FCC, all sorts of evidence showing that uh, Tesla and Superman might be coming to to, to the Windows Phone world, aka the Nokia Lumia 730 and 830. We don't normally comment on on leaked devices, but I think these two are pretty solid now. It's not 100% certain the 830 will get announced uh, in a few days' time, but I think the 730 is more or less a lock-in, a kind of a a selfie, I hate that word, but there we are, a a selfie-centred phone with a great front camera, also a pretty good back camera, and a a sort of mid-range superstar, um, I guess tying in with the code name. Rafe, you're a big fan of the... 720 so i guess the 730 will be that only even better yeah i mean the 720 i think is one of the most underrated windows phone devices it's maybe been left a little bit in the the dust you know by the subsequent devices but the the camera that it had really was fantastic for its time yeah. and i wonder whether you know we're going to see some piece of camera innovation in that mid-tier segment which you know it's difficult to get excited about if all you're interested in is in the 1020 and the super high-end camera phones but honestly, having a really great camera on a mid-tier device is something I also like to see because those you know, devices are more affordable. And, you know, we, we spend a lot of time talking about the high end and the low end with the 530, but actually sometimes pay some attention to what happens in the, in the mid-tier because in some ways those devices offer the best combination of value for money with features because we've talked about the compromises that are inherent in the 530. And don't get me wrong, you get them in the mid-tier devices as well, but it's maybe a more even balance between the two. And, you know, I'd love to see a, a follow-up to the 720. And it'll be interesting to see what the, you know, is done with something like the 830. There's talk of that maybe being a, a pure view camera. And so it'd be interesting to see if that, you know, 20 megapixel pure view camera that we've seen in the 1520 and the 930 yeah. is, is made available on a, you know, a more affordable device. Yeah, yeah. I think from the from the leaks we've seen in the photographs, while well, you grab a swig of water to <laughs> your throat, um, the leaks do show something that looks vaguely like the 1020, obviously not the same size. And I, I would place good money on it being exactly the same module as in the 930 and 1520. Nokia have got this particular module down down pat now. They've got the software and the drivers absolutely perfect for it. I think they've optimized the image processing to within an inch of its life. I think they've now they've got that, they can roll it out over a wider range of models and get the you know the full benefits. And I think the software chain, the workflow is you you take the photos, you then reframe, uh, you, you zoom in it to photo taking time. It's not as severe, it's not as um, dramatic as on the 1020, but it's certainly a cut above the average smartphone camera out there. It is, and particularly if you think about it in the context of something like a mid-tier device, or let's call it upper mid-tier because it will be a more expensive device, it's going to look very good next to its competition. And that's something that uh, Nokia, and I guess it's now Microsoft devices we talk about, has actually been quite good at taking some of its technology from its flagship devices and applying it to the to the lower end without sort of having the compromises come in. Now, not the only company that does that, you know, I guess you could look at companies like HTC uh, and Sony, but, you know, they perhaps be more successful at it than the likes of, of Samsung and certainly some of the uh, Chinese manufacturers where, you know, you cut the cost and you really do start making significant compromises. It'll be also interesting to see what other announcements 
you know, that go alongside these devices, you can never tell how big or small it's going to be. Um, we've already mentioned kind of the Miracast dongle as a potential. These are also the events where we sometimes see new uh, Qi wireless chargers or headsets or things like that. And I guess you could say there's an outside bet that Microsoft may do something in the wearable space in terms of a, a smart band or maybe even a smart watch. There's certainly been very little in the way of leaks around that, so I'd be a little bit surprised. Um, but the IFA... Uh, as an event, it's kind of established itself at the opposite end of the year to MWC as when a lot of the manufacturers are announcing new smartphones, new mobile devices kind of in the run up to Christmas because it makes sense, you know, they make them available and we're talking in the first week of September. They maybe come out a month or two later. So October, November, ready for that all important kind of fourth quarter market. I mean, we may well see some other Windows phone devices, for example. Wouldn't surprise me that much if HTC announced wider availability for its uh, uh, one M8 for Windows device. And certainly it's going to be an opportunity for people to see some of these other manufacturers we talked about at the top of the show producing Windows phone devices. Um, in terms of outside of Windows phone, you're going to have Samsung probably announcing the Note 4. We may well see new devices from the likes of Motorola, Sony, Huawei, uh, and I think quite a lot of others as well. And of course, it will be followed a week later, um, we think, by the Apple iPhone announcement on, on September the 9th. So <laughs> I guess in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to be able to sort of do a Windows phone compared to the rest of the market, what's going on? It'd be really interesting to see how the, you know, the 720, sorry, the 730 and the 830, along with the existing devices like the 1520 and the 930 kind of fit in. And that's the matches that we're going to be talking about in the second half of this year as we lead up to the, to Christmas. And that, as I say, is a very important sales period for all smartphone manufacturers. Yeah. Um, at the end of July, Rafe, the proportion of Windows Phone users who were on a Windows Phone 8.1 was 12%, according to Ad Duplex. Um, we've had a very busy August for updates, obviously. This is Lumia Sign and Windows Phone 8.1 have been rolling out over the editor just about every device. And I did put a news story up on the, the Lumia 920, which I think was probably the best selling of the high end Lumias from last year and, and maybe the back end of the year before. And the, so the 9, 920 now has Lumia Sign officially in most markets as well. I'm, I, I put an estimate in an article that's going to come out tomorrow, Rafe, and I reckon that by the end of August, we're going to have 50% of all Windows Phone handsets on 8.1. Do you think that's being optimistic? I think that's maybe being a bit optimistic looking at the history of some of the previous updates. However, this is a particularly big update. It's one that people might want to get. So I'll be maybe more conservative and say around the, the 30% mark, but it'll be really interesting to see. Uh, and I would point out while Cyan uh, has become available uh, for most devices in that it's available on at least one variant. There are plenty of variants that haven't got it. I mean, if you look in the US, uh, I think it's only about four or five devices are actually having this Lumia sign update. I think it's on the AT&T. So the ones um, from T-Mobile, for example, they're, they're not so widely available. Um, the situation is changing all the time. It's quite hard to keep track of it. And I would suggest we're maybe two thirds of the way through the, the rollout in general. And you, you know, certain devices are, are, are very well available. I mean, things like the 625 and actually the 920 is now pretty um, good in terms of availability. Uh, for people who don't have it, you, can't really give any advice apart from to be patient and it is worth having uh, there is actually still some problems around people who uh, had the developer preview and want to upgrade to lumia sun i understand that's a situation we talked about in a previous podcast with bitlocker still hasn't been resolved um 
haven't got any news to share on that. I think uh, Cyan is now being pushed out by an, uh, Microsoft to people on the developer preview, uh, but okay. apparently, even though that's been pushed out, people on with BitLocker are still in, in the dark. So it's obviously not a complete solution. Uh, okay, so it's you know, it, <laughs> as I said, it's changing all the time. It's uh, yeah. steps in the correction there, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I would sort of say 30%. I, no doubt Adduplex will provide sort of uh, an update on those figures. And actually, with Adduplex, a, a little bit of caution is required because, of course, their stats come from kind of, what you might describe as active app users who are perhaps ones that are most likely uh, to upgrade to Windows Phone 8.1. And you have to talk about when any statistics talk about the sampling and things like that. Um, but certainly the, the rollout has been quicker and the adoption has been far quicker than, than the bad old days where you actually had to use a Windows PC or a, a PC to do the update, having the stuff built in over the air. Yeah. And actually, honestly, happening very smoothly and in a pretty short period of time it has been great news. You know, it was a long time coming to, to Windows Phone. It's been available on other platforms for you know, a significant amount of time. And so that update process is, is you know, it, it is pretty smooth now. And uh, I guess it's just frustrating for people who hear us talk about Sun 8.1 who haven't got it yet. Honestly, it is coming soon. Yeah, indeed. Um, one application pick of the week, if I may, Rafe, um, QR Scanner Plus. Now, um, Bing Vision, been built into Windows Phone from the beginning. It works pretty well as a QR scanner and occasionally for barcodes, but it was all a bit rudimentary. And with Cortana arriving, I've got the Cortana on the developer preview of um, Windows Phone 8.1 update one on the 1520 here. And there's just about, short of going into the camera interface and bringing up lenses, there's no way to scan a QR code. Just before we could carry on with my application, Rafe, why hasn't Microsoft thought to put into Cortana, among the billions of things that understands, Cortana, scan a QR code? Surely that's the simplest thing in the world to add. You would have thought so, and I can't believe it's not there. I mean, honestly, I would have made a kind of scan a QR code one of the options. They've got the music symbol at the top. Yeah. Why not put a, an iVision in there as well? Um, and so uh, I think I know what's coming next on this app pick. <laughs> it's QR Scanner Plus, which is a third-party app. It's been through numerous revisions and even name changes, but it works really, really well now. Um, in addition to doing QR codes and not only scanning the QR code to provide a URL, it goes further than that. It, it Having got the URL, it goes off the Internet and gets what that is. So if it's a web page, it'll show you what, what the name of the web page and a sort of preview of some of the text. If it's an application, it will get the name of the application and developer and description and so forth. So it's really, really slick. It can also do, if you turn the phone into landscape mode, so it's the same orientation as a 2D barcode, it works really well for scanning products. Um, so, for example, you're around a friend's house and you see something or you see something on a shelf in a shop and you want to just look it up online, you can literally scan the 2D barcode in almost any 2D format. And there's a whole list of things in the story there, a list of um, industry formats, and it will bring up the uh, the international product code and you then you type that into google it does it for you and then brings up in internet explorer uh, a list of matches so for example oh there i i can buy it on amazon which of course shops hate but qr scanner plus is really slick i found almost no problems with it good interface and it does what it says on the tin yeah i know it's a a good option the other one that i've been using we talked about on the site a couple of months ago is actually uh, an app that's called you know Cortana Open QR Code, and all that does is drop you into the the lenses screen of the camera application, and you can ha hit Bing Vision with a single tap. But actually, the idea of a kind of enhanced QR code reader is a nice one. I was going to talk about an app pick as well, very quickly as well, before we uh, finish off the podcast, and that's okay. Happy Weather. This is actually a, a weather app, kind of another one. There are 
tens of these or hundreds of these in the store. This one that caught my eye actually relies on the data from forecast.io. And at least in the UK and the US, it provides notifications around uh, when rain's going to happen. And as we head into the kind of the winter season here in the UK, where it's starting to rain a lot more than it has the rest of this summer. Well, at least it's raining regularly rather than in large stormy amounts. It, it's a nice app to have on your phone. It is a, a commercial app you have to buy. I think it's uh, £2.99. Uh, but the design, there's been a lot of attention paid to it. But for me, actually, it's a, this notification, this information around when it's going to rain and also when it's going to stop raining. So if you're looking to go out briefly and don't want to get rained on, this is probably a, a good app to add to your arsenal. Lovely. Okay. Well, I think we're kind of out of time, Rafe. I, I was going to talk briefly about the head-to-head between the Lumia the 930 and the HTC One M8 for Windows, but maybe we can perhaps leave that for the next podcast because I'd like to do that in a bit of detail, and especially as we might then have more information about the whether the M One M8 for Windows will actually be released at IFA. We may have some leaks, and also we may even have news of our own review device winging its way across the Atlantic. So, can we leave that for the next podcast? Indeed, let's leave that to the next podcast because I know we've had quite a few questions and some comments in about it, particularly on on the piece we did and it seems to yeah. arrive, you know raise quite a lot of emotions typically it's the high-end devices that always attract attention so i guess the best thing is to leave you wanting more and we'll talk about it on next week's podcast <laughs> and i like because i can't finish the podcast without mentioning i did put up a little article and titled Tough Questions, and I, I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure whether Rafe has read this and, or even endorsed my, my, my particular answers to the tough questions, but I, maybe I could just point readers towards that and say, go have a look, because I think I've gone through some of the things that may, might have been in your brain if you're a listener to this podcast the last two or three years, and uh, hopefully people on, on the All About Symbian side as well answering a few of their common questions. And Rafe, maybe, uh, did you read it in maybe a 30-second response? Did you, would you agree with me? Uh, I, I'm not sure I'd entirely agree with you, but this kind of uh, impassioned debate over you know, some <laughs> decisions that Nokia made always provides good discussion. So I actually thought we should discuss this in detail in the next podcast. And uh, if anyone's got you know some feedback and wants to add into the 90-plus comments that are already on that article, it would be uh, great to get your, your feedback on that. It's a debate that kind of runs and runs. But actually, I think as you look back now with a slightly longer period of hindsight, you, know, you can see some of the decisions that get made and also some of the things that have happened since sort of you, you do end up playing a lot of what if and i think some of their conclusions that steve come to are, you know yeah. are spot on and equally well i think i'd probably put some different emphasis in in some areas but i would encourage you to go and read it because i don't want to spoil it and we'll talk about it a little <laughs> bit more next time and i guess we just hope that there's no news whatsoever over the next seven days i think we just filled up the next podcast with those two <laughs> items we just teased so yeah, well, I think next time it'll be uh, maybe some previews for what's coming yet. I don't know if we've heard any more, but there's two good meaty discussion items. If anyone's got any other topics or questions they want us to address, please get in touch through uh, Twitter, Facebook, or best way is really through email, brave at all about Windows Phone. We can reach Steve in a similar way as well. Yep. So uh, thank you very much for listening. We'll catch you next time on the All About Windows Phone Insight. Bye for now. <laughs>